On this episode of Comedy Rewind, how well does the zany comedy of Mrs. Doubtfire work alongside the serious drama? How does cross-dressing and impersonating a nanny look through a 2020 perspective? How did we do this many episodes without a Robin Williams movie? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind, powered by Audio Technica, as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, no doubt they'll bring the fire. We have Sammy Deej and Andrew Natoli from the Inconsolables. How are you guys doing? Yeah, not bad. How are you? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. That was, wow. that was, that was not a good enough... That was not a good enough intro. Can, can I? Can I take? Write your own intro. Go. Okay. 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 Hello, everyone. <laughs> there it Welcome is. Welcome to Comedy Rewind, a journey through the treasure hunt through the wasteland of the 1990s. We're going to be watching Mrs. Doubtfire this week. Uh, I'm with uh, Mr. <laughs> jo, jo, uh, Joe Pesci. <laughs> and we have uh, uh, Mr. Andrew Natoli, and it says here that you're a f- boy. No, no, a duck boy. It says you're a duck boy. Maybe a little bit. Right. <laughs> so for those who can't see Deej, he is dressed in full and has revealed himself well, in no. full, almost full, Mrs. Doubtfire makeup and lipstick on the stream. He's even dressed for the occasion, so... That's what you're going to get today, guys. It's it's a uh, full method acting mode from. Well, I've got to peel this Sammy mask D. off. Some you can't just leave the face mask on for the entire stream. That's yeah. not that's not healthy. It's not saying you well, could, but that you probably shouldn't. I did predict this would happen, and yeah. lo and behold. Yes, I was very annoyed. I did all this fucking <laughs> work. I, I I went out to Spotify. Um, Spotify. Yeah, you went to Spotify. Work. Shut up. Priceline. I don't know why I got those mixed up. For, for like the last day before lockdown to get a face mask for mm. this occasion. It's very, very much it. appreciated, Deej. But anyway, uh, that is Sammy Deej, or, or one version of him. You might remember him from uh, the Big Lebowski episode we did a while ago with, with yeah. DJ. And Andrew, it's your first appearance, but I'm told that you're a devoted listener well you told me yourself a devoted listener yeah of the show and and one of the patrons that helped make it happen back when it was a stretch goal so thank you for that yeah no worries mm-hmm. um it's it's funny that um i don't watch that many movies so i feel like i don't kind of belong here but it's like ah. wait mrs doubtfire oh. wait this is what i've seen no we're good we're good <laughs> well if you've been <laughs> listening to episodes for movies you haven't seen then i applaud you even more but it just speaks to the quality of the show there. That oh. I'm like, I feel like I've seen them, even uh, though I haven't seen them. So you're so sweet. It's so nice. Thank yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here to bring boy. it. I'm here to drag it all down. It's all good. Great. <laughs> well, Andrew, for people who don't know, why don't you maybe give a quick rundown of, of what you and Deej do over at Inconsolables? Well, over at the Inconsolables, we um, we generally talk about video game news and rag on publishers who are doing the wrong thing. We tend mm-hmm. to we tend to rail on microtransactions and. Uh, other anti-consumer talk about practices. How much and... we hate The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, I mean, Sam, Worst Sam game did of the year. for a bit. I haven't. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's a fine game. I haven't even played it. It's one of those. Yeah, I mean, our last episode we did talk about the discourse and how toxic that's kind of gotten online. The discourse. And... We can fight about that later. Yeah, that's yeah, you fine. can. Yes. I'll, 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 Over on our podcast, I'll adjudicate that one. I'll bring the swords. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, it's there's also a lot of chaos over on that show. So if you're up for mm. some stupidity as well as something resembling a um, intelligent thought occasionally, then um, come say hi. That's very a very good. Okay, so as as uh, Deej has already mentioned in his own way, we're talking about Mrs. Doubtfire today, which is the first Deities. Robin Williams movie to make it onto Comedy Rewind. Kind of surprising. Maybe when I started this show, I definitely thought there'd be more Robin Williams. I thought there'd be more Eddie Murphy. And then I realized as I was kind of going through, you know, filmographies and and the best movies of the 90s, these guys were way more 80s stars Mm. in my books. Mm. And as much as they both, we'll talk about Robin Williams, as much as he did make a lot of iconic films, there weren't many straight up comedies that he was yeah. um, part of. Like Aladdin and stuff. Yeah, like more children's stuff. That's it. So I've kind of written down some of the movies. These are the comedies. So Fern Gully, which was an animated film 
set in Australia for some reason. Uh, and like the it, some people say the inspiration for Avatar. <laughs> if you haven't seen oh. it, <laughs> wow. I, I have heard yeah. that. Yeah, Oof. he plays like a, a fruit bat or something. Oh, then okay. there was Toys, which was a not a big hit at all, and came I out at the same one. time as Aladdin. Obviously, that's an animated movie, so it's a bit different to what we usually talk about here. Mrs. Doubtfire, huge film. The Birdcage, a bit more niche. He did the movie Jack, which was a kids' movie. Father's Day with Billy Crystal. Flubber, again, kids' movie. Oh. And Patch Adams, which is a comedy, but it's also probably a bit more on the dramatic well, side. Okay, that that also somewhat raises the question: is like, don't don't you think to some degree that the Mrs. Doubtfire is also sort of a kiddie movie? It's uh, very family-oriented. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that, but I don't... I mean, as much as I enjoyed it as a child, and we'll get to that particular point as well, I think there's some very adult themes in well, this yeah, movie. Yeah. Definitely, and um, Disney Plus has it marked as a, car, a comedy and a drama, so... Yeah, yeah. and of... there's, it was interesting reading some of the background on this where he improvised so much that there was like, you know a mature cut of the film and like an R-rated cut of the film oh, wow. and they had to kind of decide like which one are we going to go with and I guess they went with the, the family mean, version. there were some racy parts in this. <laughs> yeah, and he kind of snuck through a few like, yeah, racy jokes that were very clever built around innuendo that many people wouldn't have picked up on. So yeah, I, I guess if you look at those comedies, it's like, yeah, I, I suppose none of them apart from Aladdin and Mrs. Doubtfire were really those blockbuster hits or or, or classics in, in that sense. Yeah, or at least um, in that decade. Yeah, and, and then, you know, if you think about his most memorable films from the decade, they're straying more into fantasy. So you've got Hook, which I love, Jumanji, which is obviously iconic, uh, Bicentennial Man, What Dreams May Come. They've all got a fantasy element. And then Goodwill Hunting, which is like probably one of his greatest movies of his career and that's just a straight up drama um so i thought we should start this by just discussing robin williams himself because it's probably the only opportunity we will get to do so how do you guys view him um i guess as an actor especially in this decade that we were kind of growing up i don't know because as as a kid i'm i would see mostly you know i mean we listed half the films i've seen of him right like mrs mm-hmm. doubtfire flubber patch adams aladdin aladdin being my favorite disney movie ever regardless and and then as i grew up i kind of you know I, like as i mentioned at the top of the show i don't really watch that much of anything so it's only sort of now that i go back and look at some of his stand-up comedy and mm. find myself just laughing so much like it yeah really brilliant stuff but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I wish I'd seen more of his stuff, and I guess now I've got the time to go back and go through it all. But then there's always this you lens don't watch of movies. Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. I don't watch much of anything, so there's this weird. But there's also the whole lens of going back and seeing stuff that's, and I mean, it's what this show's about, I guess. But mm. seeing seeing it through a modern lens, which may be an issue for some of it, which yeah, this one too in particular. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dave? I mean, I, I I do have like a lot of respect for the man. Uh, I, I I probably don't have as much experience as like you guys did because you know when Age. I was like, yeah, because like I mean like the nineties ended for me while I was like six, so I haven't like I mean like obviously I I had a lot of love for Aladdin um, and stuff and you know like the genie was like a completely iconic role. Um, but I don't have as much experience, which is a bit sad. But, you know, like, that's why it's kind of cool to, you know, have an opportunity to look back on his work. Mm. Yeah, mm. I mean, a lot of the movies we've talked about on this show, I didn't watch until the 2000s, just because of how old I was as well, mm. and access to them and that kind of thing. So I think movies like Jumanji and Hook and uh, I guess... Uh, Definitely didn't see this one. Yeah, like, like those those movies are ones that, definitely left a mark on pop culture and you can see that in the, the way that you know they're still making jumanji movies now or they've just started making them yeah. again um but yeah i mean robin williams death was was one of the ones as well that hit people so much more than i guess other celebrity deaths from you know the conversations that were happening at the time and i think it's because so many 
people grew up with him as a big part of their childhood. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it would be like to to draw just a comparison, like if Jim Carrey, if it had been Jim Carrey who died, or if it had been Adam Sandler who died, it would be like you know a similar kind of response. But because Robin Williams was so uh, talented, both in drama and seems like the greatest guy and he had like a daughter and named her zelda so like he's obviously a nerd as well like, i think like yeah. so many people in our community were just hit so hard by that and it's it's always hard to to watch someone who you look at as a hilarious you know gifted comedian struggle with these mental health um problems that uh ultimately they're, they're not able to to get past yeah, and in particular, that kind of sucked because it's like, well, the wait, it's the the genie. How does what? Um, yeah, and How yeah, does the genie die? well, yeah. I mean, there's that fantasy element, I guess. But I mean, then, on but it's it's always well, Smith. That's I haven't seen that one. Um, but <laughs> it's I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about just because like again, I don't I don't tend to get hit that hard by celebrity deaths because I don't know them. I respect their work and all, mm-hmm. but. I mean, that definitely was one of the ones that was a little bit closer to home because, like, I'd seen so much of his stuff and I'd seen, you know, as I said, Aladdin was my favourite Disney movie, which meant, you know, you can't escape yeah. the genie who effectively is that movie. So. Yeah. All right. Should we get into Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah. So directed by Chris Columbus, who had previously worked on the Home Alone movies and had a pretty big career in that kind of kids comedy kind of realm uh and they put this together for 25 million it made 441 million at the box office so that is just bonkers i guess if you adjusted it for inflation i don't even know it it would be a lot 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 of money (laughs) yeah um the uh, personal experiences with this movie i mean for me it was one that i definitely grew up seeing on television quite often and it was the kind of movie where i mean dg kind of mentioned is it a kids movie i think it, it was a popular one amongst me and my family and friends because it, it was kind of just like safe to put on and not have to worry about like what kind of mature content might be in there and movies like that and cool runnings and like sister act or whatever like they were always popular for that reason i think like you could put them on at school like the last you know the last day of term we'll just like put a movie yeah. on so the kids don't have to do any work and it would be that kind of film so what do you guys remember about i guess your first time seeing this film way back whenever that was <laughs> it wasn't that far way back <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was I, didn't, I, I didn't exactly see this in theaters i would have been six months old yeah well n- me neither so, <laughs> um well i mean technically i might have i just might not remember it <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I first saw this, I don't know, like a few years ago, I had this like big, like, uh, like there's this challenge that's like watch a hundred movies in a year. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And that was kind of one of them. Like that's where kind of a lot of the, like not, not a lot, a lot of the nineties movies that I've seen, but like a good chunk of like the ones that are like iconic that I hadn't seen, um, kind of popped up in that. And that was pretty good. Actually, I should probably look up my review to see if, like, my taste has changed on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably worth doing. Um, I, mean, I mean, like, Sammy, you picked this film from a list that I gave you. So was what was it about? Well, I mean, Rob- I didn't. I picked one off, off like, it wasn't even on the list you provided. Yeah, true. You, you came up with this movie. I so what was it, it. What was it about Mrs. Doubtfire that made you go, yeah, we'll talk about that one? I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's 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 super iconic. Like... I mean, I'm I'm by no means trying to say that you know none of the other stuff is is mm. super iconic, but it's just you know there's a few scenes that we'll get into that are just like oh yeah you completely remember that for the rest of your life kind of thing because it's like so out there and amazing. Yeah, that's a really good point because there was like I don't think I would have seen this for ten fifteen years, and there was parts where I was like oh watch this part Hannah like. This what, one, like, like, stop looking at your phone, because <laughs> this is funny. You know, <laughs> so Hannah bit. hasn't seen it before this. Uh, she had, but she was a child at the time as well, okay. and she went to bed halfway through. But she was really enjoying it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Andrew, what about you? <laughs> it's a similar situation. Like I, I saw it as a kid um, when my parents rented it on VHS. Um, 
good old technology. And then um, after that, it was just on TV all the time. And it was one of those where, like, I probably didn't really sit down to watch it again specifically more than maybe twice more. But I would always see it on TV and so bits and pieces and eventually, like, having seen it a million times just by virtue of it being on TV all the time. Hmm. Just kind of being okay. around it. Um, and then, yeah, yeah sure. hadn't, hadn't seen it in probably 10 or 15 years. And I was impressed about how much I'd forgotten about the film when I'd gone to watch it. Though, of course, there were those bits where I'm like, oh, oh, I know this. I remember this. And then yeah. the rest of it, I'm like, I don't remember that at all. So, yeah, it's funny when there's like clips that just live on in, whether it's like montages or they've been put into super cuts that someone's edited together on YouTube, like dancing super cuts and that kind of thing. And you're like, oh, like... Yeah, this is obviously something that I've seen many times some, somewhere, but I don't know exactly where. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of in the zeitgeist of the internet, yeah, I guess. pretty much. So the Rotten Tomatoes score for this film, does anyone want to... Oh, I guess I'm uh, going to ask you both to guess. Here we go. I didn't even think about this question. Mm. Um, it's uh, best not to. Yeah, I'm going to guess... Well, I'm going to guess fresh. Um, I'm going to guess yeah. maybe 70 ish i'd say mm, i'd say probably closer to like 80 85 mm, 71 oh oh all right andrew wow almost bang on well, i guess 70 ish is bang on uh, hold me to a number 70 <laughs> i was kind of surprised like if i was going to guess i probably would have been closer to 80 85 like you sammy I kind of look at it and I'm like, what's not to like? Like, it's funny. Well. It's got, like, a lot of heart. It's probably got more heart. Yeah, at least by, e- like, standards of the day. Yeah, know? yeah, of course. And, yeah. like, um, I just think no other film we've looked at ha- has such a dramatic streak through it as this one, while still being, like, hilarious. Uh, it's It's not something that ever goes too long without a joke. But at the same time it's still very like there's still parts that are very heavy and there's a very heavy um narrative running throughout which is about this guy who's trying to hold on to his parenthood and his his relationship with his kids uh Mm. i guess because like if you're not yourself if you're pretending to be someone else is it your relationship with your kids it's not really it's he just wants to be around them so It's uh, it's kind of tragic in a lot of ways, I think. And I mean, it is kind of interesting because if you break it down, it's kind of like a, a fairly standard plot of just like there's a the dad who's like the fun one, mm-hmm. and the mum who has to be the one that's all serious, and they have a breakup and they try and get back together. It's just there's cross dressing in the middle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it, it is kind of interesting in that way. Like it, it's it's not that far from standard i guess yeah and i that's kind of what makes it memorable i suppose is it's it's not just the cross-dressing like that makes it probably more quirky and fun but he's pretending to be someone else and he's you know in disguise and that's kind of Mm. where you get to see robin williams completely flip his uh persona and show his range of of you know being able to do voices and that kind of thing, which, I mean, I now as an adult, I love like voice acting and uh, prosthetics and makeup and the that kind of side of Hollywood. So to see that in this film, I thought was really cool. Um, to see, you know, that they just show from the very start of the movie, Robin Williams in his element doing different voices as a, you know, a voice actor, and then he's doing all the impersonations in the, in the yeah. like what's it called like the child services oh, office yeah yeah the, the legal <laughs> office or yeah um so i i think like i probably enjoy it a lot more now than when i was a kid or, or appreciate that side of it more now mm. i'd, I'd agree when I, kid. Um, when I was a kid i think a lot of the um heavier stuff just went straight over my head as well because i was like okay i i get that there's he can't see his kids anymore and he's dressing up to do it but look he's dressing up and he's being and he's dancing and he's playing soccer and he's funny <laughs> rather than it's like you know as a kid you're a bit more on the surface level stuff so i'm, I'm laughing at the funnies rather than paying much attention i'm like oh well this yeah. this bit's boring give me the next funny <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, like, you look at it and it's almost like the precursor to, like, jackass dressing up as old people and, like, doing 
funny stuff that old people wouldn't normally do on the street yeah like hidden camera kind of thing where you know he is playing soccer and he's fighting off the guy that tries to mug him and that kind of thing and Mm. yeah that there's that kind of humor to it as well and like you know the rapping nanny or the rapping nana or whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit cringe now but it would have been pretty funny back then let's be honest yeah yeah so yeah i guess in summary i'm not sure why it isn't a bit higher with the critics uh i guess maybe it's a bit longer than most comedies it was over two hours yeah i'd forgotten i'd forgotten how long it was i've got into this gone wait two hours for a 90s film yeah i miss the 90s when everything was one and a half hours we didn't have like um end game going on for three days and like the other part of it is i guess if you just want a straight up comedy it might be a bit sappy or a bit too like it has too many emotions. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> too much plot, not enough, enough jokes. Zero out of ten. I don't like that. Because, like, I I mean, you know, each to your own, I guess. But, like, I I think, like, dramatic comedies are the best thing. Mm. Because, like, it's... it's I don't know. I feel like it's kind of how I perceive life. Like, it's, it's you know, it's funny and all this other stuff. But then also things go crap. Like, I don't know. The entire I world agree. is in lockdown it's a, yeah, it's a difficult well. thing to pull off too that's why one of the reasons i love the mm. tv show scrubs so much is because it will bounce from like surreal comedy to like medical drama without any awkwardness at all um that's a different podcast for a different day well yeah the uh <laughs> the number one podcast. song when mrs doubtfire released it's a love uh, ballad does anyone want to have a, a guess? love ballad i mean uh. i wasn't like i was barely alive then <laughs> It's it's really depressing. I find every time I'm like, oh my god, I love this '90s song, so iconic. It ends up being like a 2002 song. Like, <laughs> uh, you're supposed I to be the music ballad. one out of us, Sammy. All right. It wouldn't be "I Will Always Love You" because that would be like '80s, right? Uh, I think there was a cover that was released in the '90s for the Bodyguard, um, but I mean, so I it's don't a know. cover released all the time for that song. Yeah, I mean. I'll just tell you because yeah, it doesn't sound like you have any ideas. It's I w- I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that by me. Oh wow! Okay. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, November love ballad. November ninety three, and then you know for the Australians out there, the Aria charts, the number one track was Brian Adams. Please forgive me, not one I'm familiar with. Oh, all right. Yeah, no, I think Y'all I know. Y'all had great yeah. taste in music back then. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Robin Williams has unfortunately not <laughs> been making well, movies because he's not around and we all miss him very that's much. A dark. Well, I mean, he's <laughs> the main actor in this movie. Not much. He's not the only one that's passed since this movie came out. Uh, Anne Haney, who plays Mrs. Selner. We just talked about her oh. on The Liar Liar episode of this show where she was playing jim carrey's secretary oh yeah her uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so yeah she passed in about 2001 uh and let's see sally field who is the the, the mother Done in this a film bunch of stuff she was aunt may in in 2012's mm-hmm. version of spider-man uh, the most recent thing that probably most people might have at least seen was she was in the series the miniseries maniac on netflix which had Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Okay. It's been a long time since 93, so you would be forgiven for not recognizing her. She does a lot of Broadway and, you know, that kind of stuff now. She was a very big deal in her day, though. Pierce Brosnan. Have you guys seen the Eurovision movie yet on Netflix? No. Will Ferrell? No. Is he in that? He is in that. He plays Will Ferrell's father, and he's he's quite good. He's playing like a Icelandic kind of disgruntled fisherman. Um, his accent's kind of like to me. It sounds kind of like Swedish or something. But that, I, that gonna... literally sounds like he's playing like Ben Stiller's father in Zoolander. Oh, yeah, geez. it's it's kind of like that to be yeah. honest. Um, in all, in all the good ways, I think. Hmm. But um, I mean, I don't really know what an Icelandic accent sounds like. It's probably makes it's... sense to be similar to the kind of Nordic ones. Wait, is Zoolander nineties? Yeah, or is that going to be like two, 20, no, it's 2000. 2000. A bit late, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 2001. We'll get God to the 2000s eventually. But yeah, I mean, 
it's 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 a fun movie i'd definitely recommend it if you appreciate will ferrell's like better films i think it's along those lines more than i guess the, the crappier ones and okay. pierce brosnan it's just fun to see him if you doing have good taste in comedy. films <laughs> you'll like it yeah that's pretty much what i'm saying eurovision <laughs> and uh, you know who doesn't love making fun of eurovision it's good stuff yeah um, there are some good songs this year though even though obviously the competition isn't happening but like some of the ones they auditioned with yeah <gasps> i mean they have some of the past winners in the movie too which is kind of cool yeah there's not really anyone else from the cast worth digging into as far as filmographies oh, i want i want to shout out matt about, hmm? who, who about, do you have in um, mind? damn it what's her name that's helpful uh, the, isn't it <laughs> yeah. no but the the little girl yeah, who i was gonna like, say oh, mara mara wilson yeah she kind of retired in like 1999 yeah, or... but she does some cool <laughs> internet stuff she, she does. does like stuff for um she's what's the character name like the old woman who lives in your home in night uh welcome to night vale which isn't like movie stuff but it's like other cool shit, i'm not so. sure what you're talking about at all it's a it's a podcast welcome okay. to night vale it's um like a like a radio show set in like a like a weird yeah it's like place. a creepy pasta one isn't it, it it's kind sort of, of it's kind of cool that her persona is yeah I was Matilda in the nineties, <laughs> and now I'm an internet person. Yeah, it's one of those like you'll never believe what she looks like now or that kind of thing. <laughs> well, that's um, the thing. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, it's like Matilda. Okay. Yeah, and she yeah. kind of like embraces her child fandom in a way. Yeah. I think, and she's done some cool like she's done some cool show, social cause kind of stuff too. So shout out to her for kind of owning it, Rude. and also for like all power to her she decided she didn't want to be an actor anymore after being in like three of the biggest like children's movies of the 90s between matilda mrs doubtfire miracle on 34th street Uh, um that was the third one yeah she she had it going on she's so uh precocious and and cute in this movie you can tell she probably doesn't understand what she's saying for half of the lines and Mm. they just said like say these words in this order Uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, we'll go straight into what is the most 90s moment. Sammy Deej, what did you have? The transphobia. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. Like, the, there's kind of, like, lots of little things that you can... I mean, like, they had, like, the big flippy-dippy cell phones and stuff. That probably helped sell the 90s-ness of it. But I think, yeah, just kind of the attitudes towards gender, kind of. Like, gender roles, do you mean? Yeah, but, like, I mean, I think we'll probably be getting into this in some of the later things, but it is very much, like, they're equating, like, you, you're you a man who dresses up with a woman, therefore you're a criminal deviant, which is like, ooh. The, yeah, the court, the judge in particular, I was like, oh, is this, is he, like, they don't directly say, because you're pretending to be a woman, you don't yeah, deserve they to just have said your kids. It's inappropriate for children. Well, they say like inappropriate lifestyle. Yeah, and, and part like of that, it was so. me wondering, like, uh, can you get away with this by saying they're referring to the fact that he's just like lied about who he is and pretended to be someone yeah. else for several months? Like, that's still pretty bad. Yeah, like I, I very much think like if you want to, you can kind of take that like method of looking at it. But like, the, there's tons of other things that are also happening every so often. Mm. that it's just like ooh, that that does seem to be sending that message and i mean you know it's a product of its time like. yeah it, it's definitely part that we'll discuss a bit later and i i think it's interesting because i feel like it's pro- as much as some of that stuff is there i think the general um message isn't a, a negative one like there's there's hints of it but mm. like robert williams being the character that we relate to the most doesn't seem that hung up on the idea at all he's not like self-conscious about it he's kind of yeah. i feel like it's kind of championing that lifestyle in some ways but i mean yeah, yeah. it's it, there's different ways to look at it i guess yeah it's kind of leaving that stuff for like what holds up um i mean as for 90s moments there's yep. there's a few like really 90s isms like there's the lady looking through the phone book and then calling the operator like right yep. near the start um there's a cartoon that turned into a smoking ad in the very intro <laughs> yes. um and then and then the anti-smoking opinion in the room being the unpopular one um but also there's one where um 
when um, when Robin Williams' character was finishing work and then running off to get changed and start nannying, he was hitting a punch card to leave the to leave mm. the film thing, and I'm just like, wow, I haven't seen one of those in an eternity. Yeah, what well, that's very 1960s. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Some people still use punch cards. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a funny thing. Definitely one you don't see often. <laughs> just though, like an so. iPad that you like press. No, like I've seen people use them before. It's it's usually like certain departments within like a certain like it might be in a warehouse or something. But yeah, I guess okay. it just it still works. Or they might have just Tell stopped sometime about iPads. Yeah, and finger scanning. But anyway, uh, I had some similar things to you, Andrew. Where like yeah, the address book at the start of the movie. Did you, do you guys' parents have, like, an, a physical address book still? Not anymore. I don't think so. Yeah. My, my parents I, only have a physical wall phone for calling my grandmother, so... Right. And then it's not everything else is mobile. <laughs> They've actually caught up a bit, so... That's good, yeah. My in-laws definitely have an address book, but they're just kind of starting to embrace smartphones now, so it might be on its way out. We'll see. Um, but to, 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 kind of talking around phones specifically... There's um, a lot of the kind of rotary phones, the big chunky phones mm. that get thrown around in this movie, and the, particularly the scene when he's doing all the fake job interviews over the phone. Yeah, and he's calling oh yeah. repeatedly his his ex wife and um, pretending to be there's different no people. And I was like, yeah, like there's no caller ID. She can't tell that it's coming from the same phone over and over. Yeah. And actually, on well, that same on that it, same eh? tack, yeah. like earlier on, when um, when he finds out that they're looking for a nanny, and he looks at the job interview and changes yes. the number on the ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you, the classifieds, you just either email call them up and read it over the phone, or you email it. You don't have to physically fill anything out, which I did notice that too. That that was a great little flashback to like newspapers in the nineties. And you mentioned the smoking, like that scene at the start where. Yeah. Four people and Robin Oops. Williams, and those four people are all smoking indoors. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, in the kind of the the big climactic scene of the film, it's the restaurant, and they ask like smoking or non smoking, oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, it just made me think like, yeah, people used to like smoke in a restaurant where you eat food, and that's so nineties because that stopped at least in Australia that stopped in the early two thousands. I don't know if, if I know I'm older than you, Deej. I don't know about you, Andrew, but when I turned 18 and went out for the first few times, I'd come home smelling like cigarettes because you could still smoke at nightclubs and pubs and that kind of thing. And it was only like a year later where that stopped completely. And now it's like a foreign concept. Yeah, it's it stopped before. I think it stopped before I was going out. Though I didn't really go out that much yeah. when I hit 18 either. So I didn't really go out that much at all. So yeah, that, that definitely hit me as something that we would not see anymore um most iconic scene what did you have andrew um i i had a couple but i mean i'll leave i'll leave hello for sammy because he's already done that but um <laughs> hello, the scene hello is great but um i i thought um also the scene where they were testing out all the different um looks on him mm. when um when he was trying to figure out what mrs doubtfire actually looked like he's doing all the different impressions yes <laughs> yeah very nice sammy I mean, I, I, I do love the hello scene because it is just the peak ridiculousness of the entire situation. I mean, like, admittedly, I guess the diner scene at the end. But, like, the meringue dropping into yeah. the, yes. the tea and, and he's just rolling with it. He's just like, oh, do you want one drop or two? Yeah? <laughs> There's another one. There's another one. Oh, I'm managing oh, like great. a snowman in Phoenix. And I'm just like, oh, that is so fun and ridiculous. I will go- give runner-up, though, to... Um, when he's cooking dinner for the first time, it's just like mm, this bechamel smells like burnt rubber, <laughs> and he's just burning his tits like. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, so many great moments where he is like uh, running back and forth um, between the two personas, and they're yes. kind of the things that I love the most. Like that scene with the, um, you know, the child, what child services or whatever visiting. Yeah. And yes. then also the restaurant where he's literally having to run to the bathroom and get changed. 
And I feel like that's and become drunk. Yeah, I, that's yeah. the thing I didn't realize as a kid was how wasted he was. And I, I picked up on that this time. I'm like, man, that makes this so much more funnier that he's having to like he doesn't have to, but he's drinking at both tables Fool. and he's doubling yeah. up on his intake. He's having what, and when, with the movie guy, is having like double shivers regals or whatever. I'm just like double scotches. Yeah. They're gonna kill him. Yeah, oh, wow. and it actually is like important to the scene because it causes him to slip up and he's like falling over and tripping and eventually his mask falls apart or whatever. So it, it's... <laughs> he just meanders into the kitchen. It's just like, oh, don't bite me. Yeah. <laughs> just like, wow. Just poisons um, Pierce Brosnan's character completely. God. Yeah, so th- that's the kind of thing that I feel like is, is iconic uh, on top of just the image of, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire dancing and vacuuming and air guitar oh, yeah that, that's that's iconic the montage but the the trope of kind of like oh i gotta be in two places at once that's become a really common thing in comedies i feel like you see it all the mm. time yeah it was weird when when i got to like the restaurant scene when i was watching it i'm like this has been played out and i'm like wait this is probably where it started or early off to or close to it right and it's like yeah. weird going back to it feeling that scenario has been played out yeah. when it's the one that may have been the most iconic one that yeah. get that once started. again it's like a, a, a very common thing but it's like plus cross-dressing well yeah it's like okay. but i'm like oh maybe that's not where it started but you know it's one of those things where i'm like it's it's old it may have been fresher at that point i don't know mm. yeah it's it's a very common thing usually it's like oh i have to i Date somehow double booked myself and i've got two dates at the same party so mm. you just be distracted over here and i'm gonna go get you a drink and then i'm gonna go see my other girlfriend or whatever it is and then eventually the two girlfriends like cross paths and it's like oh no um but yeah i feel like this is where it probably became like a popularized thing we don't know that whether there's probably some movie that did it before them but we don't know what it's called, yeah. so we're not going to acknowledge it. That's the TV <laughs> tropes. And yeah, yeah, you know, TV tropes yeah. can probably teach us a thing or two here. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll save that for post podcast research. Yeah. yeah, the very useful post podcast research. The epilogue. What holds up the best? Robin Williams, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the comedy stylings. I mean, one thing I was uh, impressed with, because, I mean, again, you look at Aladdin and it's all wordplay because all his physical actions are animated. Mm-hmm. But here he's able to flip between, like, drama and then slapstick comedy and then wordplay comedy as well. So, like, some of the jokes that flew over my head as a kid, like, there's one point where he was, um, when he was leaving his kids for the first time and he says, um, and I think it was the youngest one, he's just like, Grandma smells fine. He's like, it's the formaldehyde. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I never would have gotten that as a kid. That just went straight. And like, I, I spat begs, out my drink. <laughs> which begs the question of like, why he was telling it to, the to youngest a child one, yes. who would yeah. also not get it. But again, that's like, you know, more, more of a wordplay slash clever insult joke as opposed to, you know, burning his boobs while cooking dinner versus, <laughs> versus, dram- versus dramatic time kind of stuff. So it's just like, I mean... Everyone, I think everyone did a pretty good job in, in acting there, but Robin Williams holds up the entire thing on his shoulders. Yeah, there's something about him that's just... Like, there's a, a style of comedy that's just Robin Williams, and the genie is just Robin Williams mm. to, to, to a large extent. It's him riffing and improvising, and I guess the animators coming up later and being like, okay, now we got to animate him as, you know, Rodney dangerfield because he just did an impression of him in this in this movie that doesn't make any sense or like jack nicholson or something and that's all through this movie he's just you know there's a lot of other actors that were considered for this film including like tim allen and it's just like who else could have done it in this way i'm sure it would be a just a different version of this movie but the the way that he is constantly making up gags on the spot um kind of playing yeah so much wordplay and so much impressions and and that kind of thing it's uh even when he's in character as mrs doubtfire he's still dropping these zingers yeah and i think that's that's what holds up and as an adult watching it it's like okay now i'm getting some of these references that i didn't get before it very much is the comedy that i think sells this you know like we can talk as much as we want about like the social justice but like <laughs> the stuff is still funny it's just, you know, you kind of have to try and ignore 
the uh, the less fun parts of it. But yeah, I mean, there's puns all over the place. Mm. Uh, it's it's a fun, weird movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll get into what holds up the worst, and I'll talk a little bit about it, and then flick it over to you guys because there's a few things you've brought up already. So the first thing is like going into the movie, and it starts with this like party where he throws for his kid. Like in oh, a yeah. country party, and there's just animals and yeah. mess everywhere. And as an adult, I was like, "No, you can't do this. It's yeah. so irresponsible." I was very pleased um, to see that there were ducks at the party, but beyond that, <laughs> very good. Yeah, I just felt like from the get-go, like relating to the mother who's coming home from work to this, and pro- that probably didn't happen as a kid. Uh, and then, you know, as much as I related to her grievances with him it kind of flips when she's kind of so militant about, no, you can't see the kids and you can't like babysit or whatever. That's kind of like, that makes you kind of sympathize a lot more with, with uh, Robin mm. Williams character. But then like, I guess the deception, the fraudulence of pretending to be someone else. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's obviously, it was, it wasn't meant to, to be this thing where it was okay then. And now it's not, but that, I think as an adult, you notice a bit more and you have a bit more of an ethical understanding of like why that's bad. (laughs) I'll just say like, take the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, have it from Miranda, Sally Field's character perspective. And then at the ending in that monologue, have, um, have, uh, the, the monologue go into, and sometimes father's death is mother's and then when the mothers aren't looking he kid he kidnaps the children and then drives them in the car off the bridge <laughs> congratulations it's now a horror movie yeah. like <laughs> i think someone's like, edited the uh, like a, a youtube video of this movie as a horror film yeah that, that, could work. that, that doesn't surprise there. me yeah <laughs> like okay. it, it, yeah <laughs> So, what holds up the worst? I guess this is where you want to talk about some of the the gender stuff, Sammy. I mean, it's a bit gross. Like, the thing is, I kind of went into this to a certain extent being like, I think the overall plot's kind of like a little bit gross in that aspect. And I'll be honest, like, I I kind of softened a little bit on that. But then there's a lot of like, on the sides, that's like a little like, ooh. For example, um... Robin Williams calling in to be, you know, candidates and stuff. Um, one of them, he's like, oh, I don't like to work with the boys because I used to be one. And then <laughs> Sally Fields immediately hangs up and I'm like, mm. oh, dear. Um, you know, and the, we've got other stuff of just like uh, the kids find out that Mrs. Doubtfire isn't a woman. And it's just immediately like, we've got to call the cops and they're like arming themselves with sports equipment. It's yeah, like, that was the, the one moment where I was like, this wouldn't happen today. Like the previous one you mentioned, I mean, if someone rang up for an interview and said, I won't work with boys because I used to be one, like that's still a good bit of a red flag that that's how they are identifying. Like, I, I won't, like, why does that mean you won't work with boys? Like, that's kind of. Like I can see a parent being like concerned about that off the bat, so I'll give that one a pass. If yeah. from, at least from what I understand, what they were trying to say, but that that one where he sees him peeing in the toilet, standing up, and he freaks out. That was like, why? Like he, he, she's a he, half man, half woman. Like he was very confused, and the calling the yeah. cops thing. There's an element of it where I'm like, okay, he's a child. He doesn't understand. He's very confused and he just doesn't know. And even like after he's like, no, it's me. I'm your dad. The kid's still like really trepidatious and like, don't touch me. And they put their hands together. He's just like, "Uh, I don't want want to pick up your transness or something. It's like, oh. And Robin Williams is like, I get it. It's a guy thing. (laughs) Yeah. What does that mean? I, I don't know. But uh, I guess yeah. so. So I guess if it happened now, the kid might react in a weird way. But then there would be some kind of like, they would flip it around and be like, you know, they would they would say, ah, oh, I was wrong to do that. There would be a scene where it's like, I don't know why I reacted like that, or so, or they yeah, explained like, I mean, to him or something. I'm not by any means like advocating that the movie should just be like that's completely normal because even. If, like, you know, we live in a world where, like, all trans people are accepted, it would still be, like, a you know, a bit of a shock to find out that 
you know, the the person that you've been spending a lot of your time with is, you know, potentially, you know, someone else or like some like there, there there's definitely some question were, yeah. that you know one one is allowed to ask as long as you know it isn't immediately going. Let's call the cops. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, like there's there's uh, lots of tiny other little things. Like I mean, the like. Um, I wouldn't say it makes the the movie worse, but there were moments where, like, Mrs. Doubtfire, who is actually Sally Field, uh, Miranda's husband, asked Miranda, how was he in bed? (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, okay, that's... That's mm." the deception thing I was talking about. Like, he he missed, like, he betrayed the trust completely. Yeah. Also, just, like, how, how weird, like... Well, he was also. I don't even know how to ask this question. Like, if if you were in that kind of situation where you could just freely ask your partner someone, don't you think it would be kind of weird if you specifically asked, like, okay, but like, how he do in bed, though? Like, yeah, that's a bit. That's that's a bit squeak. But also, like, um, like constantly sexuals are so weird. There we go. Uh, then, like, constantly negging Pierce Brosnan through the whole thing yeah. too uh, yeah. and i'm like that was you know funny but also a bit much in a few scenes it's like kept going i'm like this is the point where like it particularly in the restaurant where it's just like oh buy, buy a gift like that you want a bit more than be friends right and yeah. then he keeps going i'm like okay i expected maybe like, two jokes here not eight nine yeah. ten wait what are you doing and the, and the thing that makes that even more awkward is that he's a nice guy like they originally wrote him as the prototypical like a-hole love triangle you know like he's secretly yeah. a bad guy or he's like mean to the kids or something but then they're like uh no let's make him like probably like the perfect match for this woman to make it even more of a conflict um and i think it's it's so uncomfortable when he's just yeah continually like having a crack at him and he just takes it yeah because yeah i mean there's there's one scene when like he's kind of first introduced when he's meeting um meeting uh, um, at the business and he's being a little bit creepy there he's like hitting on her rather than actually talking about the work which she's trying to focus on and i'm like oh this doesn't hold up well at all and then for the rest of the movie he's trying to just genuinely be nice yeah yeah On, on the other side of it uh they're getting set up for the dinner date and Mrs. Jalfire is like, oh, like they're trying to decide between the two dresses. Like, oh, you shouldn't go with the red one, dear. That's the color of streetwalkers. And this black <laughs> yeah. one is far too short. I hope you've waxed your legs. I'm like, okay, that's a little not great for women, mm. but all right. Yeah, there was there was also one in the um, in the restaurant when he's talking with the the CD TV guy, and you know he's like, oh, where'd you go? He's like, oh, well, I was just you know with my friend who was the waitress or whatever and and then the guy's like oh does does your girlfriend have a girlfriend his response is it's the 90s yeah i'm like oh no and he was talking about people that wear lipstick that too yeah excuse me excuse me yeah isn't it's the 90s thing more like times have changed like yeah but it's one of those well i mean i guess it's also a 90s moment he says it's the 90s literally out of his mouth but it's almost like the the insinuation that's this like "Mm, does your girlfriend have a girlfriend it's it's a, I mean it's very TV exec talk I guess right like kind of that CD. It's it's also probably a bit like the apocalypse is coming. Let's just <laughs> screw already. I do want to bring up one other one, and this is a completely sure. different tack and not gender related at all. Ooh, um, all right. And it is uh, poisoning a man who has an obvious allergy. Ah. <laughs> um, yes. And and I will point out that yes, I am a celiac. If you've messed with my food, I will get very ill and i will um find some horrible method of vengeance on you probably related to how you've poisoned me um but I have a specific set of allergies and i will find you and i will kill you yeah yeah pretty much but it's one of those things that like i gloss over as a kid and didn't even pick up on and then a lot of people would probably gloss over it now and it's one of like wait no actually i mean i have lived in experience in this one now and i'm like mm, no no not okay but- like, particularly if it's, you know, he was immediately choking the moment he put that in his mouth. Yeah, the, the thing with that scene is I, I, I feel like he wanted to embarrass him, didn't want to hurt him. Also, he was mega drunk. Yeah. Well, yes, but one, that still, even, <laughs> even in, like, mega drunk state, when he noticed, oh, he's choking. That's yeah, my he did fault. go and save him. He and went and <laughs> saved him. And then when they, like, rip his mask off, 
they like shake hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. This guy really is super nice. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's still just one him. of those things where I'm just like, mm, yeah, but if it, like, if you weren't able to save him or if it was some yeah. other kind of issue, it's, it's like, mm, it is, it is very much a case of he's allergic to this thing. I'm going to put heaps of it in his food. I'm like, oh, don't, don't do That's that. That's another way it could have been a horror movie. You just let him go. Just like, well, yeah. you don't have your boyfriend anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh. come back to me. Yeah. He's definitely not a, um, model citizen in this film no (laughs) i think like i don't know i don't think that necessarily yeah i guess the perspective you have now compared to the first time you watched it means that it doesn't doesn't hold up yeah that's a personal one i think yeah but also like it's not fun to watch a movie where everyone's just on their best behavior no of course (laughs) and i and i totally get that it's just one of those where it's just like "Mm, that one hits close to home that's all yeah Yeah. it's a good movie it's just got like little bits of stuff that uh you know is is not quite as fun and we should be able to critically say yeah, yeah. that's that's wrong but still the movie's good and yeah i, I enjoyed the movie definitely i think with that as well like all the stuff we've mentioned it's none of the stuff we've mentioned i think should straight up maybe not be in here at all it's just like the way that you handle it or the mm. the way that it's framed or the the implication of what is being said might be different if it was made now so that's I'm not cancelling Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, no, you can't cancel Robin Williams. He's not at all. Uncancelable. Well, he's he's not around, but also he's just untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, so- Does Mrs. Doubtfire pass the internet relevancy test? Because I'm thinking probably not really. I don't think it's something that just like we we did say before how there's scenes that are iconic enough that they just seem to pop up, but. I don't think it is in the the lexicon of uh, gifs and, and memes. I don't know. I've just I've just done a gif search with hello, and the first one is that scene. Okay. However, oh, okay. however, I did earlier do a search for Mrs. Doubtfire, so it might just be like the. Um, yeah, it might just be the Google smart. thing doing Let's it. See where it is. In yeah. Discord. So maybe maybe someone else do a gif search. Scrolling. <laughs> And when I did search Mrs. Doubtfire on it, the top four or five were hello, and then the others were him trying to um, run across the restaurant to save Pierce Brosnan. So, and then it, that was pretty right. much it. It was like yeah. just the same ones over and over. So, so from that, oh, angle, and the dance. Um, there was a dance as well. Yeah, I mean the dancing one I could see being used from time to time, but generally, compared to a lot of other movies on this podcast, I'm going to say no. Deej, have you found anything? I mean, I looked up Doubtfire and like. You find that stuff if you put in hello into into Discord, just nowhere to be seen. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's ne- like I'll use a lot of gifts to mess with people, but that's not one that I, I really see come up in any of my other searches. So, yeah. all right, uh, how would smartphones and social media change Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, it would have uh, shot the whole I'm doing fake people thing in the foot. As we discussed, he'd have need to have bought, bought like twelve burner phones when he was <laughs> like pretending phone. to be other people to get the job. Uh, get on a pay phone. That yeah, could work. That he works. could set it. He could set it to a private. You can set your phone number to private. That's yeah. that's true. And I guess pay phone if you could find one. Um, but I mean, <laughs> it's still still on that situation though. As we mentioned before, him changing the phone number on the job that went out so that no real people could get mm. through. You wouldn't have that situation. That said based off like the people at the end that they got for the nanny jobs coming in, I don't think it would have changed it anyway. You would have just had had that scene earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, there would have definitely been like a scene where he's stalking Pierce Brosnan on Facebook. Oh, for sure. Trying to like dig up dirt on him. And And then found a squeaky clean Facebook page. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing I thought with some technology was that first interview with uh, the family or the first phone call he makes as mrs doubtfire like maybe that's like a facetime thing where he's done like Ooh, makeup yeah. from like that from like the neck up and then he gets the job and he's like crap now i have to go and like do a bodysuit and everything so they would have had to have done the figure out what mrs doubtfire looks like before he tried to get the job yeah that would have yeah. been a really sad moment of um when Miranda cha- uh, changes their relationship status to divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> um, oh there, might have, there might have been some... I mean, you would have had, everyone would have had their smartphones out at the restaurant when he's running across and saving Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. 
Actually, <laughs> Sammy, it, the, the yeah. scene between him and his brother, when his brother's saying about how he's in denial, the brother would be like, look, she's changed her Facebook status. It's over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Do you guys think that uh, you could make this movie today? And what do you reckon that would look like? They were trying to make a Broadway version. They were? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they did do it. There was like a talk in the early 2000s about a sequel. And it just, they weren't able to get it in the place that they wanted. I think the idea was like the kids have grown up and they've gone to college. So he like dresses up so he can like hang out with his kid or something. It's a bit far. It sounds a bit far-fetched the way I'm saying it. And that's probably why it didn't happen. Because I know that like Robin Williams didn't want to do it unless it was going to be done right. Also, the kids have dealt with him dressing up to see them before. They'd have caught it from a mile off this time. <laughs> Be like, oh, uh, dad, you're cross-dressing again. For, for me once, shame on you. For me twice, shame on me, right? I mean, it, it would have been a different voice, I guess. He's, he's quite... A... They know he's a voice actor. <laughs> I know, but do you just... Every single person you meet from then on, well, you're you like, don't is, is that it, my dude. dad? Well, that could, that could be part of the sequel, is the fact that they're irreferable. Uh, irrevocably irrevocably yeah, that word um, harmed and they don't trust any <laughs> anybody because they're just like oh god who's my dad in disguise and they end up in therapy there also kind of to a certain extent has been kind of uh, one that I wanted to bring up which is the first time ever this podcast where we actually have a version of the thing that's kind of come out sort of um, there is a movie that I watched quite some time ago called Hurricane Bianca. Um, and it is a movie, uh, that stars, uh, the season six winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, and yeah. it kind of has like a similar vibe in the, but like, instead of like, you know, I'm trying to get back into my family. It is, um, a person who, uh, is transferred to a school in Texas they find out uh, that he is gay and kind of gets fired immediately. And then um, after going to a drag show, starts uh, applies for his old job, but dressed in drag in order to kind of like topple the, the, the homophobic hierarchy of the school. So it's kind of like that, but, you know, like less problematic and also very funny. Yeah, that sounds a lot more like we're making social comments with, the plot of this movie compared to Fair. it's just an, like it's just an element of of this film yeah i mean both of them are like pretty fun and stuff yeah. and we should also do that also we should do um priscilla queen of the desert at some point oh yeah that's a movie that's 90s 90s and it's australian we watch that we might yeah we might save that for um australia day or something yeah. i haven't seen that for a long time uh, does well or some kind of Australian event, if not Australia mm. Day. Duh, mm-hmm. I was going to say the gender swap comedy is a whole genre, and there's obviously movies like Big Mama's House, and there's movies like She's the Man and Joanna mm. Man, and they're usually. Is there uh, a Mister Doubtfire? <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think um, you could make it today, but it would have to have some of those themes that you kind of just mentioned Deej where yeah you do probably have to make comments about um people who are cross-dressing I mean this movie he, he's a he's cross-dressing he's not transgender so it doesn't necessarily have to go into that mm. territory but because it's so much more of a social issue and a accepted thing now I think you would be probably making comments about it if you were to make it today you'd have to be careful yeah, and I don't think you yeah. have to. I think it's just you could make the movie and just be more sensitive making it the way it was. It doesn't yeah. have to be about um, you know pushing or not pushing, but like highlighting any social issues because there's not there's like it's an easy way to make something less fun is to overtly be like, look, there's a yeah. message. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean. I wouldn't say Hurricane Bianca is that. But, like, I think even if you had, like, a version of this movie that, you know, just cut out some of the, mm-hmm. like, more overtly, you know, against, you know, transgender, homosexual, all gender 
sexual identity kind of stuff and it was just more about you know it's this person who's disguising themselves to get back into the family mm-hmm. and it's more focused on you know like he you know he's doing some gross shit, but more because he's you know lying to people and asking them pointed questions and trying to you know like manipulate them in certain ways yeah. you know like it can still be gross but like not you know meh. i know exactly what you mean i know i'm bad it's, at doing this sometimes would you it's have not a, an easy topic yeah yeah that's it and i'm not necessarily the person to talk about it because you're doing just fine <laughs> yeah and you you dressed for the occasion so you get bonus points for that there's one bit of useless trivia I want to throw out before we move on to the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Ooh. The house that they live in is awesome. It's in like the middle of San Francisco, one of the most like expensive real estate areas in America. <laughs> I looked up the the like price of this house, and apparently it was recently valued at four point four mil. Jeez, in Australian money, that's six point three million. Uh, to compare that to, to other famous houses from this podcast, the Home Alone house was a lot less than that. And I guess it's mostly the location. But people also, like, when Rob Williams died, this house became somewhat of, like, a, a shrine and people would, like, leave flowers outside of this house. Oh, wow. I, I learned. Yeah. Which would be kind of annoying if you lived there, but I guess you'd understand. Yeah, I mean... Like, you would have bought that house knowing this is the Mrs. Doubtfire house. Yeah, that's wow, that's crazy. Mm. Probably okay. probably set up a little shrine to Rob Williams outside it. Steve Buscemi, Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A, a real, real spark plug. plug. Um, there's not a lot of like supporting roles in this film to choose from. The ones that I wrote down were Harvey Fierstein or Fierstein, who plays uh Rob Williams' brother. Yeah, the the prosthetics guy. He's got that like really scratchy voice, and he looks and sounds nothing like Robin Williams, which is kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the camp uncle. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, there's some representation for you in the early nineties. Yeah, and th- the phone call he's making to the mum. I th- I think that scene's quite funny. Um, that even was pretty without, great. Yeah, even without like the actual making prosthetics montage. Apart from him, Anne Haney, who played that old lady, was the only other one that I could think of. So, did you guys have any suggestions? I thought it was quite um, the. I, I don't know who the actress is, but um, she reminded me of Mrs. Trunchbull. It actually might have been, but um, towards the end, when they're looking for the new nanny, she's like, "I don't do this. I don't do yeah. this. I don't do that. I don't do." Like, oh well, what God. do you do? Yeah, um, that, she was my honorable mention. Like, <laughs> once, like, I don't change diapers. Yeah, yeah. she's like, "Look at the can kids. I you're going to be babysitting. You don't like, need to okay. change diapers." <laughs> I'm very good at sitting on my ass. And I don't know. And I don't know if she was in the movie a bit too much, but the the social worker who. Was checking up on on Robin Williams' yeah. character all yeah. the time as well. Yeah, that's that's who I mentioned, Anne oh. Haney. Yep. Well, there we go. That's just me not knowing actors. That's all right. Um, I think we should give it. Uh, she might have won it in Liar Liar. It was only a few weeks ago, but I've forgotten forgotten already. Um, so let's give it to Harvey Fierstein just for that that cool voice, that scratchy yeah. voice, <laughs> and for making Woo. some cool prosthetics. I find the, prost- the prosthetics process is so interesting. Like, and when I I went to um, the Rockefeller Center and did like the NBC tour in in New York, it was really cool to see. Like, there's all these face casts from um, Saturday Night Live where they would like take a face more, like cast similar in this movie for like all the major um, actors that they'd had over the years and kept them. So you could say like, oh, like that's Will Ferrell and that's Jimmy Fallon and. And that's, you know, Mike Myers. And it's, it's such cool yeah, technology right. that they can just make something so realistic and lifelike. And they did win an Oscar for this movie, Best uh, Makeup. So mm. I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you didn't know that was Robin Williams in, in that outfit, then mm. if you weren't told apparently, that... Apparently his own son was fooled until he started talking in real life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and much like uh, Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie, uh, Robin Williams took the costume out into the public and like went into a shop. I think he actually went into like an adult shop and bought like um, <laughs> oh, I don't no. know if it was like I don't know if it was like a, a sex toy or something, but he did something yeah. like that. And 
wasn't recognized and he was like yeah we did it <laughs> beautiful <laughs> yeah all right last question is mrs doubtfire still a good movie yeah like we're thinking yes Generally, right yeah yep and i think you summed it up for deej like yeah there's some things that wouldn't happen if it was made today and it's it's worth like discussing them and it, it's uh, i enjoy watching something like this and it's fun to look at it and go oh like i'm not hurt it's not hurtful to me at least and um it's but it it does remind us how things have changed and that's interesting to look at yeah it was a different time yeah mm-hmm. and it's not a different time in like you know a movie that has like the n-word in it or something it's, it's not that fast yeah yeah <laughs> or like he's not dressing up in blackface or something which is Oh but there's probably versions of this movie where that's happened. I'm sure there is, and I don't yeah. want to see them. No. All right. Well, yeah. thank you both for joining me. It's been been fun. Uh, where can people catch you on the socials to to give you their view of uh, of Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Sammy? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sammydeege. And Andrew, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Calgar K A L G A R, and um, feel free to check out the Inconsolables where we have opinions about video games. And we have a very special guest on the next episode, yeah, well, the previous episode, <laughs> depending on when things come out. Yeah, so I think by yeah. the time this is out, it will be like a week or so old. So if you want to hear like my opinions on games that are a week or two old. Go find that episode of the Inconsolables. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Jono himself. Of course, we love when you leave uh, ratings and reviews in our, our Apple Podcasts. I nearly said iTunes, but I'm, I need to like change that in my notes. Uh, yeah, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, any platform that lets you do so. Uh, of course, we want to thank our Patreon supporters at 8-Bit and everybody in the 8-Bit Collective for making this just an awesome community. Uh, until next episode dear listeners thank you for joining us and be kind bye goodbye I don't know what the equivalent of, of, of Mrs. Hello's good Mrs. Hello's goodbye <laughs>